வெல்கம் டு கிரியேட்டிங் வெல் த்ரூ பேசிவ் அப்பார்ட்மெண்ட் இன்வெஸ்டிங் பாட்காஸ்ட் இன் திஸ் ஷோ வி வில் டிஸ்கஸ் அபவுட் பெஸ்ட் அண்ட் வர்ஸ்ட் எக்ஸ்பீரியன்சஸ் அபவுட் பேசிவ் அண்ட் ஆக்டிவ் அப்பார்ட்மெண்ட் இன்வெஸ்டிங் அண்ட் ஐ எம் யுவர் ஹோஸ்ட் ராமகிருஷ்ணா லெஸ் பிகின் த ஷோ Today's our guest is Leo Hefnar from Bluefin Management. Welcome, Leo. Hey, thank you very much. I, I appreciate the invitation. I, I'm glad to be here. Cool. Thank you. And a little bit about Leo. Leo became a real estate agent in 2011 and then a mortgage loan officer in 2013 and at the same time became interested in private lending. In 2015, Leo founded South Bend 7, a private equity real estate fund. Like a great chess match, Leo enjoys the thrill and strategy of finding properties that fit the investment criteria set by the fund as well as tracking economic trends in both the local and global markets. Leo also sits on the board of advisors for 4020 coin cryptocurrency and works with Mindal, a cryptocurrency mining and blockchain technology company offering consultation and analysis. So with that Leo, you want to add anything to your background? Well, you know that's that's But when I hear you say it, it all sounds pretty impressive. <laughs> yeah. Um, you know, we'll, we'll also do some, uh, some net zero construction and remodels, you know, that's, uh, that's kind of lead certified space as well as solar and high efficiency homes. Cool. So, Thank you. Yeah. That's not on there. Apparently I need to put that on there too. Yeah. Let, let's jump into that space. Yeah. Share me about that experience. Which one would you, which one would you like to hear about? the point that you mentioned solar solar oh panel. yeah so the uh, the net zero homes um it's actually something that i started working with back in about 2017 and um you know there the design and the build of of houses just with the cost of electricity going up and we have technology now that that we can utilize where i mean essentially you can have a very small air conditioning unit heat and cool a whole house um I mean even up in the snow solar is so amazing as well. I mean there's panels that have been out there for decades that most people don't even know about that will turn on under the snow and melt the snow off the roof and continue generating snow like up in the northern latitudes. And it's it it amazes me even now that there's a lot of people that still don't even know that that exists. Got it. So from cost point of view how that helps going for a no solar panel so it, you know it helps a lot i mean depending like i'm in san diego and you know the cost of electricity down here is pretty much starts at about 15 cents a kilowatt and goes up from there um and i think we're still on a three tier system where the third tier is almost 55 cents a kilowatt it's crazy expensive i mean it's not uncommon for people to have you know 500 electric bills um back in the midwest or the east coast i don't really know what bills are out there uh but i mean if you have the proper solar setup even on an on a build you can do everything from the waist up you know or call it armpits up uh as 12 volts and actually have 12 volt lighting and then have all the rest of you know from your your countertop outlets down all running off of 220 Um you know we've built houses like that in Hawaii where it was very common to have to be not on the grid so everything that was that was an outlet was 120 volt coming through an inverter or a generator and everything above was like RV style all 12 volt lights 12 volt halogen got it yeah thank you thank you leo yeah and your board uh, board of advisors for 4020 kind cryptocurrency 
and would you share about your experience in that space and your uh, like blockchain technology and you know so share me about you about that experience so i'm on the board of advisors forum and what they're looking to do is um they're they're tokenizing square feet of land of property that they own uh for cultivation for uh, medicinal hemp and, and marijuana so you know it's it's that part of it doesn't really you know hasn't really excited me but the part of being able to then tokenize the dirt that is producing income to give an interesting value to the coin is what i found to be super interesting um you know, they came along after we started mine dog and started mining cryptocurrencies and uh you know a couple of the guys that are in in 4020 are they've been on the forefront of uh of blockchain programming for at least the last six years. So, you know, they've been, a, they've been a good group. Um, I think they, they're still have to launch the coin, but um, they've been running into some challenges, I believe with Colorado and some of the sec stuff. We're supposed to have a board meeting again next month to see what the, see what the deal is. Got it. And you track economic trends in both and local and global markets. So what, what kind of trends you track and how, how are you implementing those trends uh, into decision-making of real estate investing? So primarily what I'm watching is real estate trends. I mean, that's really what my, what my basis is and my foundation is in real estate and lending. So really what I'm looking for is, you know, all markets are cyclical. It doesn't matter where you're at in the world, everything ebbs and flows. And usually you can time that, you know, right now we're in kind of an inter interesting place because, you know, with COVID and then leading up to COVID, we were supposed to already be in a down market, but we're still, we're still moving forward. So, you know, um, the, the current upswing that we're in has pretty much bucked all economic trends that we've had in the past. So, you know, with that in mind, you know, I, I still invest very conservatively and still look at what's going to, how are things going to perform when the economy does fall off? When things do go in a downturn, are the things I'm investing in going to continue to perform? So it's pretty much how I invest anyway. So the last time was 2008, right? So I invest in things that would be able to weather the last downturn for this time. Got it. Yeah. Thank you. Share me about your uh, initial experience of initial thought process of getting into real estate space. You know, it, my folks were in real estate when I was growing up over in Hawaii. Uh, my dad and my mom were, were both some of the top producers on Kauai back then. So I actually ended up getting my real estate license when I was about 18. Uh, but I didn't do a whole lot with it. I went off to college, went into some other careers and then came back to it uh, because I knew early on when I was young that a lot of the wealthy people that I knew that would come to Kauai and vacation all had something to do with real estate. So, you know, over the years, I was, I would buy tax liens. Um, I was a tax lien buyer for a company out of Colorado for a little while. Um, you know, I was going to the courthouse steps and buying foreclosures and, you know, other tax lien properties here locally. So I've always kind of been in and out of real estate, but I never got my real estate license again until about 2011 when a friend of mine who owns a local company who is an investor, you know, says like, hey, you know, 
my daughter was born. She was a couple years old. And uh, he said, you know, come work with me and help me find deals. So I got my real estate license to then work with him. And that morphed into, you know, learning lending and working with him on lending. And then I did a, I did some paperwork for him on a couple of private lending deals, which then showed me that, that there's a whole nother world of lending out there in the private arena. So I started getting into private lending and doing more and more of that, which then eventually led to me opening the fund. Got it. And share me about um, some best practice uh, as a mortgage loan officer and challenging experience also. So for me, the, the, the most challenging thing I had is, you know, doing originating loans for people was, you know, I'm, I very much want the best for people. And so when, when, when I have borrowers coming in and, you know, they're doing a refinance to buy a new car. It's not a very fiscally responsible thing to do, right? You know, there's there's other ways to do it, and you know, I mean, yeah, your interest rate may be a little bit cheaper, or you can you can finance it over the longer term. Um, you know, I was really trying to help educate people on on just financial stewardship, and people would come to me with bad credit, and I would help them fix their credit. And you know, it, there was a lot of other loan officers that boom, somebody comes in with bad credit, they're out the door. Nope, not going to help you. You're out. Next one, right? And they churn those numbers just to get the sale. But I was really trying to help people more than just be the order taker and slam the loans out. So I struggled with that. So when I got into private lending, it was it was different because I could help guide and help coach people to success. Whereas doing forward and forward mortgages is just you just do the loan. You kind of just, you're just supposed to, you just need to kind of keep your mouth shut and just do what they ask you to do and do it how they want you to do it, regardless if they think that they're getting a good deal or not. That was the other thing is, you know, you put together and you find an interest rate that's really going to make sense for their whole loan over the, the long term. And you have somebody else come in and be like, yeah, but I can save you $20 a month. But they don't understand that that loan may actually cost them $5,000 more to do it. They want to know what it's going to cost them right now. And they don't really care about the longer term benefits of it. That was a challenge. Got it. Thank you. And you founded South Bend 7, a private equity real estate fund. So would you share a little bit reason behind it and some best and best practices and you know some excellent experiences? Yeah, for sure. So like I said, I live in San Diego. Um, all the houses that South Bend 7 owns are currently out in South Bend, Indiana. We originally bought seven houses in South Bend, Indiana from a, one of the regional banks. That's why the name of the, the fund is South Bend 7. It's the origin story. It was interesting because when we went out there, it was uh, these are lower income properties. You know, a lot of Section 8, uh, they're Class C, they're Class D. You know, I mean, I got a house that's from 1890 out there that still has, uh, you know, albeit turned, it's not connected, but it has the gas lamp in the living room. You know, it's amazing to see. You just don't see that kind of stuff anymore. So, we're, I mean, some of these houses are very old, but, you know, the people that are living in them, they're raising, they're raising families. They're, they, they're taking care of, you know, elderly parents. They, they're, they're doing just everyday normal people stuff, normal human stuff, right? And so what it turned into is we ended up started, we were buying houses that were being owned by landlords who won had no desire to keep these houses in a condition livable 
or they didn't have enough money to keep them in a, in a livable condition. So, I, I mean, I bought a house for $2,000 that had a tree growing out of the basement through the roof. Grandma was in the back room on oxygen and there was like six kids living in the house. And, you know, when I saw that, it was, it was, it was eye-opening for me. You know, I mean, we're in America. We're not supposed to have people living in conditions like that, right? So it became a little bit more of a mission to go into some of these neighborhoods and buy the worst houses on the block, fix them up so that people can go about living their lives and, and raising their kids the way they're supposed to be in, an, in a house that they should be living in. Yeah, got it. Thank you. Thanks for sharing that experience. Yes. Awesome. You mentioned you're uh, buying in Indiana, Indianapolis yeah. location, right? So, but you're out of San Diego. So how are you managing these properties? And, you know, so this would, this would be probably the, the biggest tip for people that want to invest out of state is don't just buy a piece of property because it's a good deal. Figure out an area that you're, that you want to be in. Let's say, I mean, you get a, a place in Toledo, Ohio that you think is a smoking deal, right? And you see that there's other deals there. Go to Toledo, go where you're going to invest, figure out what the town is about and develop your team. Find your, find the best property manager, find the best maintenance people. Maybe they're all under one roof, but go and find those people before you buy. Because once you go there and you buy, and now you're trying to set up the team, it's harder because now you got pressure on you because you have an asset you need to make sure is going to perform. So there's a different level of stress that you don't need that people can feel. Just go and see if you like it. If it's someplace that you could see yourself living or you like the town, you enjoy going there, then it's then at that point, I think it's okay to go and actually spend money. Great. I think that's those are great points. So would you share any of your best real estate investing experience so far, Leo? You know what? Honestly, the, the one that felt the best was buying that buying that house that had the tree growing up through it. You know, it could, just because it was a very emotional experience for me. You know, it's um the, the guy, it turns out he had another house for sale as well. So I bought that one from him also. Um, the other house was actually in great condition and I had another place that was coming vacant. So I moved the whole family out of that house, moved them into another house that we had already rehabbed and then took this, this house that had the tree growing out of the basement. We spent probably eh, 25, maybe $30,000 on the rehab and got it back into a condition that was, it would, it would pass any FHA uh, appraisal. It would pass any section eight inspection and it's still a great house. And, you know, now there's a, there's a, a disabled veteran living there. And, you know, it's, that one felt the best because I was able to help that family and then be able to save that house, turn it into something that does well for my investors. Great. Great. Yeah. Thank you. So would you also share any of your challenging experience in real estate space? Yeah. Um, we, uh, we went. We we moved into Memphis at one point. We bought a portfolio of five houses down there. You know, my partner took lead on that one, and they were they were some fairly rough houses. 
And the property manager that we bought them from was doing the rehabs on them. Turns out that the guy that that the property manager was stealing rents, um, he ended up forging our signature and selling one of the houses that we now have like wrapped up in litigation. The, The rehabs were horrible rehabs. I'm walking through one of the houses and almost went through the carpet because they didn't put a piece of, they didn't put a board on the, on the floor in the hallway of this house. And, you know, that was, that was where we learned that you don't buy before you set up your team, go set up the team first, then buy. And the other thing that came out of Memphis too, is um, one of the last times that I went out there, I had to change planes either in Phoenix or Houston. So I chose Houston, got the Houston and well, I, sorry, changed planes in Dallas, but Houston was getting hit with that huge hurricane that sank it a few years back. And so I sat at the, at the Dallas airport for two days trying to get to Memphis. So from there, um, I decided that I would no longer change planes because I got to sit there and realize that if I'm going out and I'm looking at places I'm buying and I'm changing planes to get wherever I need to go, if I'm gone for five weeks out of the year and I spend a day on either side changing planes, that's 10 days that I'm not at home with the family. It's 10 days. I'm not working on stuff that is making money for myself or for investors. I mean, that's just time wasted. So from that, I will no longer change planes to go to any place I invest in. It's direct in a two-hour drive. Done. Great. Would you share like your current focus and something you're excited about now? Yeah. Yeah. So, um, you know, uh, we're, we're doing some development of ADUs here in San Diego. Um, I'm excited about that. Uh, I'm also currently looking at doing another fund uh, specifically aimed at Class B apartment buildings to specifically funnel money towards some nonprofits that are really working hard to uh, end uh, human trafficking. So um, I, do, I have a friend of mine who runs teams into other parts of the world to help extract people, kids who have been put into slavery, you know, whether it's, it's, you know, uh, labor, sexual, or, uh, you know, going in for organ harvesting. These guys are on the ground doing that. And honestly, I think they spend way too much time actually trying to raise money to go and do it. So I'm taking the knowledge I know and going after, you know, a, class B apartment building, something that more investors, um, that feeds their ego a little bit because they're nicer properties. Right. And then taking a lot of the, much of those profits and funneling those towards these organizations that are helping. So that's in its infantile stages. I haven't set the fund up yet, but you know, by the first of the year, it'll be set up and ready to go. I'm working through what it's going to look like for investors. Um, how their return on capital is going to be, how their profits are going to look and how everything's going to pass through so they get the tax benefits of it as well. Cool. And good luck with that. Thank you. Sure. So any one advice that have major impact on you? Yeah. Yeah. So there's a gentleman up in Bellflower, California. His name's Clyde Wilson. And he's like Mr. Bellflower, which is a, it's a suburb of Los Angeles. And, you know, I, I met with him a few years back and we went driving over all around the town and he was looking at showing us all the properties that he owned. And there was little trailer parks behind 7-Elevens, mobile home parks tucked back behind other 
you know, housing tracks that you would never know were there. And he had two pieces of advice that really hit home for me and that I've utilized my pretty much my whole career since then. One is the only piece of real estate that he doesn't like, that he didn't like, are the ones that he sold. And two, if when you're giving an offer on a piece of property, if you don't feel uncomfortable about the offer you're making, then your, your offer is too high. <laughs> Got it. Yep. And any books that impacted your life and what way? That's a great question. Um, you know, Think and Grow Rich is always a good one. Um, I mean, that that's kind of like everyone's go-to, right? Anything from yeah. Napoleon Hill. Uh, Three Feet from Gold from Greg Reed has been a fantastic. And then the last one is, uh, is this guy right? It's called Invest in Debt. It's a fantastic book. I don't actually see it right now. My kid might actually be reading it again because uh, she comes over and snags it off my my desk every every once in a while to go and read it. Yeah, thank you. So how can listeners can connect with you, Leo? So if you Google Leo Hefner, L-E-O-H-E-F-N-E-R, um, I believe that I am the first three pages on Google. Um, you can email me at leo at leohefner.com. Um, I'm info at southbend7.com. That's southbend uh, with the number seven. Not It's not seven spelled out. I'm very easy to get a hold of. Uh, I just came out with a new book. Actually, two new books this last year. One is I uh, was featured in Greg Reed's book, Wealth Made Easy. And then this last book was, uh, you know, tips and tricks every home seller needs to know when they sell a house. Awesome. And thank you. Thank you very much for sharing that. And thank you, Leo. Thanks for great conversation. Thanks for uh, sharing your experiences. Absolutely. Glad to be on here. Thank you. Sure. If you like the show, please subscribe, share, rate, and review. And if you want to connect with me, please send me a message info at ushacapital.com. Thank you for listening. Creating Wealth Through Passive Apartment Investing Podcast. I hope you learned something from the show. See you in the next episode. Thank you. Any information provided from these shows are educational purpose only. As always, please consult with your own CPA, legal and financial advisor before investing.